the heart of imposter syndrome is the belief that we don't belong in the roles that we hold. We second guess ourselves, we worry that we're going to be exposed, and we play small to avoid humiliating ourselves. But each of us was selected to our role for a reason. This week, I talk with Tracy Pruzan Roy, a fellow coach who shares her story of rising from entry level to senior executive in the media and entertainment industry and the ways in which imposter syndrome showed up in her career. She also shares how she now supports leaders to believe in themselves and to reach their full potential. Thank you so much as always for listening. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and as an executive coach and former high-tech leader, my personal mission is to help professionals overcome imposter syndrome so that you can advance your career with confidence. Each week, I interview a new guest who brings a powerful perspective to this conversation, including personal stories, best practices, and new insights. The more we talk about this issue, the more we destigmatize imposter syndrome, recognize that we're not alone, and empower ourselves to access the tools and resources that can help us and those around us. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing with others you think would benefit from this conversation. Welcome, Tracy. You and I have been chatting behind the scenes, and I'm so excited to continue the conversation. I'd love to start by inviting you to introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, yeah, my name is Tracy Pruzian Roy. I'm a certified high-performance leadership coach, and I actually come from the uh, corporate world. I spent 20 years rising through the ranks at media and entertainment companies like uh, Sony Pictures and Viacom and NBC Universal. And in 2020, I made a huge shift. I know that we have that in common. Um, I I left, COVID hit, all the things, and I worked with a coach to figure out what I wanted to do. Something wasn't right. Something wasn't sitting well. And um, and I re- realized and recognized that what I love most about my corporate life was the people. And it was mentoring and helping and watching people grow and guiding them and all those things that that frankly was done for me as well. Uh, very lucky to have amazing mentors in my life. So I decided I wanted to do what my coach did. And I dug straight in and I got certified and I've been coaching for three years. And I work with all different types of people from manager level all the way up to senior executives uh, and um, and all different industries too. So I, while I came up in media and entertainment, I work with people in so many different vast worlds that I know so little about like transportation and finance and tech and all these things. But at the end of the day, excuse me, at the end of the day, I'm coaching the person and not the problem. And so it all is, it's actually really nice for me. I'm learning a lot now outside of my my old industry. So that's my my nutshell. That's great, Tracy. And I feel the yeah. same way. I, I feel so privileged to be able to learn about all these different places that you don't get to see when you're in one oh industry. <laughs> Completely. It's so eye-opening and it's so world-building too. I think find it so fascinating. I love that you appreciate that. Yeah. And I want to go back to, I mean, you made it really far, right? You were yeah. you were there for a while. You made it yeah. to a very senior yeah. level. Yeah. What was it like for you? What were some of the experiences you were having that were making you question whether this is where you wanted to stay? Yeah, I, um, well, a few things. I, you know, throughout my career, which I was very good at research, I really loved what I did there. Um, I, I, but I did feel often 
that I was working too much. I was, you know, my whole life I had been I either lived in New York City or I live outside of New York City or commuted into New York. You know, my husband and I had a child in 2010 and he was in daycare starting at three months old and had a babysitter and we never had meals together during the week. And the hustle and grind and the constant, I was just actually talking about this with a client this morning, that work was just 24 seven, even when not working. It was constantly going on. I'm making a, a visualization of it ro- rolling around in my mind and my brain. And um, there was there was no off of the hamster wheel. And, um, and at the same time, I also just with COVID and being home and um, I knew I wanted something different and it, it couldn't be the same way. And I'm very fortunate. I have a husband who has a great job and, you know, I'm able to, to make this shift and, and do what I love. And it's still really hard work. It's a different kind of hard work, um, but I love every second of it. So it makes it feel, uh, it makes it feel less stressful. I'm just, my husband says to me all the time, you just don't seem to have the same amount of stress that you used to. And that's what I was looking for. So that's how I made that, how I made that shift and decided that I wanted to do that. And again, it is still 24 seven, but it's such a different, it's such a different feeling. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about, right? It's a very different kind of 24 seven. Yes. Very different. (laughs) Very different. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you, as soon as you started talking about your industry and I know nothing about it, just like we we were talking about where we learned a lot, but in my mind, I got this I just, my first reaction was like, gosh, it must've been hard to be a woman in that Mm. space. Like, Mm -hmm. what was it like to be an executive as a woman trying to manage a family, dealing with big egos? Like what's, where are we right now in terms Uh, of women in the workplace and trying to tackle all of these challenges? It's so, I love this question, Kim. And what I felt as a woman uh, in that industry. It's funny, my last position as an SCP, I believe almost, I think the majority of my senior staff was female. Our boss was male, but the majority of us were female. And for me, I was noticing that and noticing how come, how come we're not at that, that next, you know, that next level. Um, But the other thing is that those hard, those hard positions of when do I use my voice? Are they going to think I'm coming on too strong? Am I going to be judged? Um, am I going to be judged if I stay home to take my child to the doctor? Uh, which is typically, if you're in a in, in the kind of household I am, typically the the mom's role. Not always, obviously, um, but those kinds of things. I would I would hate it. I would hate to have to text or call my boss in the morning and say, "Oh, I'm really sorry, but my kid's homesick. I need to work from home," or because t- it just felt icky. Uh, even though my family, of course. And, and, you know, of course it shouldn't be icky. That's my, that's my number one priority, but there was always that tension for me personally of where do I draw that line? You know, when do I use my voice? Uh, and how do I use it also? Do I use it the way I want to, or do I need to think before I speak of all the things that can feel, I, I believe, and I see it with my clients more challenging when you're facing, um, when you're facing those, those gender, those gender roles and those stereotypes. Yeah. And it just adds a whole other layer of energy and stress Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not to say that men don't have their own stress. I totally understand that, but it just, when you have to calibrate everything that you say and just in your mind, think about what are the potential consequences if my tone is this versus that it's just, it's exhausting. Exhausting, exhausting. And it's so, so interesting because one of my um, biggest challenges all the way through from entry level, all the way to SVP was 
speaking up in meetings. I had uh, this imposter saying to me, you're going to get laughed at. You're going to get judged. Uh, nobody's going to think you're smart. I had, and by the way, this is coming from a person, as I just said, who rose from entry level all the way to S. There's a reason, right? It's not like I'm stupid. It is not, yet my 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 head was telling me a different story, and um, that made that added an extra layer of stress for me, and it added extra angst and extra lack of sleep. Um, all the things that that accompany that, and it's it's just not it's not fun, and it's not uh, productive at all. So that was hard for me. Absolutely. And it's hard to feel good about what you're doing, right? When you have that voice that's constantly criticizing everything that you're doing and you're comparing yourself to other people. And it's hard to go home at the end of the day and feel proud and feel accomplished, right? Absolutely. And it's exhausting on top of that with the commute. So all of it's so tiring and it's, and it's, how do I, how do I show up in a different way tomorrow? Um, And, and, and then all of the stresses that come along with, you know, fire drills and all the things that happen day to day, um, you have to, you have to constantly adapt and bounce around and figure out what's right. And it's, it's difficult to adapt. It's difficult to sort of be able to settle down and say, all right, let me take a step back. Let me, there's no time. It's very, very hard. So one thing that I'm curious about, because you and I have both chosen to remove ourselves from those situations, but we also coach people who are still in those worlds. How do you think about helping somebody who is not going to leave either they you know want to stay they're not ready to leave like what are some of the things that you work with your clients on to help them navigate that very real environment more and I should add and I'm sure you you probably you may feel similarly I don't want to put words in your mouth but my my journey is my journey right I I you and I both coach so many people that love this they love the high pressure they love the and Awesome. That's amazing. And I'm so glad because we get to work with those people. Um, but there is, there can really be um, these, these moments of, you know, the people please, I, I am a number one people pleaser. So when I see that in my clients, I think I reflect on what I went through and I ask them, you know, what boundaries are you setting here? I hear all the time, um, for instance, oh, my calendar, I can't, I can't, find time to meet with my, my team because my calendar is booked from, you know, 8am to 7pm. And, and I say, okay, and all those meetings you have to go to, well, no, I guess, you know, not really. I could probably send someone more, but yeah. And those little steps, right. It's just taking a little step and figuring out um, what doesn't feel right, which I never, never did for myself. What doesn't feel right. And how do I make it? How do I turn it up? How do I make it feel better? What can I do? What's one thing I can implement? to take this, make this pressure a little less. And, and because I always say saying no to one thing means you're saying yes to something else. So saying no to the one meeting means you're saying yes to getting 30 minutes in your day back to, to get some things off of your housekeeping, whatever it is, but being able to be able to take a step back. And I believe I'll tell you, Kim, I asked for coaching all the way through, never got it. And I truly believe if I had had someone like me or you to help me see this, I wouldn't have felt the way I felt for so long. And I think that, um, being able to take those steps and say, what is, what's in front of me and what am I, what am I constantly letting happen over and over and over that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sit right. And again, making those tweaks is really what I, what I advise looking closely at those. And I think that's such a good point because when you're in it, you're in the thick of it and you don't have the, you're not zooming out or you don't have the benefit of an objective perspective. It's so hard to know what is flexible, right? Like we tend to take everything for granted as, oh, someone put a meeting on my calendar. I have to go. It's just this automatic 
response that we have, we don't necessarily recognize our own power or choice in the situation. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely agree. And it does. And and I think to your point earlier about being female, anyway, for me, if I say no, they're they're What are they going to think of me? And they're going to think I'm, you know, I'm too good or, or that I think I'm too good. I should say, (laughs) um, or that I don't care or all those things that happen that go on in our heads that we know aren't true, but we project what others may think about us when we really don't have any, any sense that that's, that's going to be true or not. So it's all these, all these stories sort of snowball and become too big. And it's too hard to handle them. Yeah. And I think about this a lot too, that we are, we're really good problem solvers when it comes to the work itself. But when it comes to something that we may interpret as a reflection on our capabilities or our competence, then we behave in much more inefficient ways. So for example, if I'm if I'm leading a project, I will be really good at finding the inefficiencies and figuring out what to prioritize. But when it comes to my own calendar, right, it feels like a sign of weakness to say, no, this isn't the right meeting for me, or I don't have time for this. When in actuality, right, that's optimizing your role and the business. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And you know what else, Kim? I think it also can offer opportunities for our teams, right? If we have a junior member that may be someone who either knows whatever that meeting is going to be about or needs more training in that, whatever the situation is, by allowing them, giving them that, even if they're just sitting there, they don't have to talk, maybe they do, but just to have a face in the meeting um, gives them something else. And again, gives you that time back to be able to say, all right, what, let me take a beat. Let me take a breath. Maybe I'll even grab a coffee for 10 minutes and, <laughs> and, and see what's in front of me and see how I can organize and, and, and move things forward. I completely agree with you. There's so many other things that happen when we're able to put those boundaries in place or, or turn a meeting down. I mean, that is a boundary, turn a meeting down, what, what have you. Um, and it's, it can afford us so much more growth opportunities and a little less stress, which is what we're all here for. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, I love what you say too about giving opportunities to our teams because a lot of times we think we're protecting our team, but we're really depriving them of growth opportunities. And, you know, if you jump in and you do it all yourself, it's so interesting because I hear this from, I'll hear from the manager that they don't want to burden their team. And then I'll hear from the employee, well, they're not giving me enough challenge and opportunity. They're not letting me grow, right? So there's this tension. <laughs> Every time there's the, I can do it better myself. There's the, um, you know, it'll, it'll take too much time, which is, which is, can be true. Yet think about what the ultimate outcome is and how much time you will eventually get back. Uh, there's the, you know what else, Kim? There's the, as we talked about earlier, you know, I come for, especially for new managers, I come from an individual contributor mindset. I've never been taught how to delegate. I don't know how to do this. Uh, or I've been elevated above a peer and, uh, and they're going to, they're going to hate me if I ask them to do something because we were at the same level before. There's so many things that go into it. And the idea here is to just really think about what are the opportunities for your team when what are the opportunities for yourself? And again, just to make things feel easier for everybody and growth, growth movement, forward movement. 
Yeah. And that's such a good point too, about not being properly trained and expectations aren't set. And then you've got all of these interpersonal dynamics at play. I don't want to let my team down. I don't want this person to be mad at me. There's, I, we're projecting all of these thoughts onto other people. <laughs> I um, I have a client who I've been working with for a while who I adore and he um, he's in charge of a team and he it, it's a relatively new role, not that new, but within a year. And, um, and he said to me last week, or was it, yeah, it was last week, a week ago, he said, uh, he said, I just, there's stuff I just don't like doing. And I feel so bad. And he's senior, he's very senior. I just feel so bad asking my team to do it. I said, well, first of all, I said, that's part of it, right? Sometimes we have to do things we don't like doing it. But I said, do you know, they don't like doing it? He said, well, no, I just assume they don't. Cause I don't like, I said, have you, have you asked them? And he told, he emailed me later and he said, oh my God, like, this is great. They love doing this. It was such a weight off, but he did exactly what you just said. He projected because of how he felt about it. He felt guilt around it, right? I mean, there were so many uh, emotions that came with it before he'd even have a conversation with them. And so it's those little things where we, again, we, we are so good at telling stories, aren't we? <laughs> In our brains, so good at it. Yeah, I know. When it comes to other people, no problem. But when it comes to ourselves, oh. It's a, it's a, it could be a minefield. Absolutely. And I think part of it is creating the space to reflect on what the stories are that we're telling ourselves so that we can decide whether or not that's an effective message, right? And I think that so often we're moving so quickly, especially with all of the demands that are put on our time, we accept everything at face value because it's just faster to do it that way, as opposed to being able to say, wait a second, is there another way to think about this? Might I be projecting right now? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're very welcome. That's something that I, that's another thing I do with my, with my clients is when those stories come up and I say, and I say, what's it, what's it protecting you from? What's it holding you back from? Uh, for me with the meetings, right. We'll take myself as an example. When I had those, those moments of um, if I speak up in this meeting and say my idea, I'm going to get laughed at. Um, it's it's protecting me from getting laughed at if I don't speak up. And it's also holding me back from possibly actually having a good idea or possibly maybe doing something that's forward moving for the company. And um, if I don't say it, I guess I'll never know. And really the likelihood of being laughed at in a meeting, can you imagine? I mean, it's small. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. It's very, very minimal. And the other thing is, as you just pointed out, what evidence do I have to the contrary? What ev evidence? For, so when I, every time I got promoted, why are they? I'm so excited. I love this. I'm so deserve it. Why are they promoting me? What, what, you know, who am I to be getting this promotion? And so talking about or thinking about or writing down the evidence of why I deserved it and why I was meant to have a seat at the table, et cetera, would bring that feeling down a little bit. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't an automatic response. Oh, why are they promoting me? Oh, well, here's why, you know, it's, it's, yes. to your point, you're so busy. It, you can't always do that. And so remembering the evidence that proves the other story, that proves all the reasons why that imposter is wrong um, can be very, very beneficial and can take you out of, you know, take you into a much lighter place. Do you have recommendations on a practice for that? Because it feels like it has to be intentional and there's so little uh, time, or at least we choose not to use our time in this way that it feels almost like you need a structure in order to manage this. Absolutely. And it's not um it's not anything where I would say, okay, at, at 8 a.m. before you, you know, make your coffee, journal out all the things that your imposters, that's not what it is. But I think when you notice it come up, 
you could quickly ask yourself, is this true or not? And you may say, yeah, it's definitely true. Cool. Let me, let me table this. Let me come back to this uh, when I'm on my commute home, when I'm listening to some music or whatever, or at a cooking dinner. Um, and let me come back to it. Let me put it in my phone, put a reminder and to, to, to remind myself to actually ask the questions around it. Because if we just let it go, if we say, oh, the imposter just showed up and it's really getting to me and we don't actually address it, it's going to stay. And the imposter is with us, unfortunately, lives with us. All the, It's not going anywhere. But what I think we can do is change its narrative, have a conversation with it. Um, I actually have a persona for my imposter and she's... Um, Jeannie Ferris Bueller's sister from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And because she, I think she loves me, but she's like, you know, she's a little bit, you know, competitive and kind of wants to hold me back a little bit. And so it's nice for me because I actually could be like, oh, Jeannie, you're being obnoxious and let's get to the, let's get to the meat, you know, the, the meat of this. Um, and, but it's not, it's not immediate for me either. You know, sometimes the imposter comes up and I'm like, oh, this is really holding me back. I have a coach. I'll tell her about it. We work through it uh, together too. Or sometimes I say, hold on. And I have my little journal next to me and, um, and I will write things out to remind myself. Um, but I think that just making sure that you're aware when you notice it to make sure that you're not ignoring it because there's definitely no, it's keeping us in a comfort zone at mm-hmm. the end of the day, keeping us where we are. Absolutely. And I like that approach too of noticing, and then it may not be the right time to go deeper into the analysis, but to at least flag it and just, just don't let it slip away because these are the really important moments. And then, then you get to decide what do I keep and what do I let go of? So that when I go into the next situation, right, I'm not recreating the same pattern over and over again. Absolutely. I think the, you know, it's so, it's so nice to be in comfort zones. They're comfortable for a reason. And uh, if we stay there and that's okay, then cool. But if we do want to be moving forward, if we do want to feel be feeling less stressed, then we need to be addressing it. And I, um, you know, I have, I always say this to the people I work with, which is that I'm not trying to get anybody, including myself. Actually, I, I have to remind myself this to get from point A to point Z in, you know, in a day, that's not, that's not the goal. My my goal is to get from point A to point B in a reasonable amount of time, see how that is, see how that feels, analyze what went well, what didn't, and then maybe we can work on getting to point C. Um, and so the idea with the imposter, especially, right, when we think when it comes up, it's not to say, go away, I don't want to hear from you, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do this big thing. It can be it, but if that feels too big, how do we break it down? And how do we, how do we, again, come up with the evidence, figure out what we need to be feeling that we can take that step outside our comfort zone and have a little bit of have a little bit of growth. I think that's a really good point too because there is so much uncertainty in our world and if we are tied to very rigid expectations of what we quote unquote should be doing and when when the world intervenes in ways that it always will, then it throws us off our game. And we end up telling ourselves that something wrong with me, as opposed to being able to flexibly adjust in the moments. Such a great point, Kim. You're absolutely right. It is really, we do, we put so much pressure on ourselves so Mm. much, and there's so many circumstances we can't control. What is in our control? And maybe we start with that and then worry about the other things at another time if we have to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer in that too. I was like, we there's no point worrying about things you can't control. Right? <laughs> exactly. There's literally nothing you can do. Yeah, 100% agree. 
So one thing I think about a lot and I think is more challenging for women is let's say we reach a point where we just don't know what to do or we don't, we've reached the limits of our own ability to solve this problem. Asking for help and letting our manager know this is not working the way it is, is such a scary conversation for so many. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, I love this one. Um, it was scary for me too. I I definitely wanted to be perceived as perfect. And as you and I know, that's not possible. There's no such thing. Um, and I it can feel really vulnerable to ask questions, ask for help. Um, and at the end of the day, if you don't know something and it, and you're not going to be able to learn it on your own, what what are your what are your alternatives? And ask yourself that: What's going to happen if I don't ask this question? What's going to happen if I don't get the help I need? Well, I'm never going to know, and this project's never going to take off the ground, and they're going to they're going to you know be wondering why we're not meeting deadlines, all the things that could possibly happen. Or maybe I ask a question and get a little bit of guidance. And again, it can feel scary to me. I think that. Um, if, and, and by the way, if your manager, hopefully your manager is the right person to ask and there's a great relationship there, you never know what the situation is. So maybe you find someone who you do feel comfortable with if it's not that person who may be able to give you some guidance or some some information that you didn't have before. There's no way. There's no way, as far as I can tell, unless you do a ton of research, you can figure everything out on your own, um, that that's going to happen. And if you're doing all the research on your own, there's your time gone. Yes. There's your you're not you're not finding time for anything else or to to keep other things moving. So while there's vulnerability, it's also authentic. And that's that for me, that's the key. I think you're so right. And I love what you just said about all the time wasted, right? Because just like you said earlier, saying no to one thing means saying yes to another. Saying yes to all of this research because I'm afraid to ask for help means I'm saying no to developing my team. I'm saying no to other strategic priorities. And so I think we're so we're so prone to think about the immediate loss or the immediate threat, right? It's the, oh no, I'm going to fail or, oh no, I'm my boss is going to hate me or whatever the case may be that everything becomes magnified around that one thing, but we don't necessarily play it out to, okay, but what do I lose if exactly. I change this equation a yeah. bit, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's there to gain? What's there to lose and what's there to gain? Mm-hmm. It's that cost benefit. And I think if you can really look at, I so agree with you. If you can look at it from that standpoint, it's going to take so much, again, so much the weight off of our shoulders. And just say, oh, okay, I do have the support, and they, you know, they probably didn't have all the answers when they were in my at in, at my desk either. Um, and think of it that way: do they always know everything? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We all have learning curves, and we all need the help to get there. I always say I would not have been, you know, been able to 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 move through my career the way I did without that support and without that guidance. I, there's no way I would have learned everything. In media and entertainment, which is changing all the time, there's there's absolutely no way. So it, it can, again, it feels vulnerable, but it also is such a weight off if you can do it. Yeah. And I think about it too, is the, because I worked in tech, which is a similar kind of ever-changing, no, yeah. right? And you, just when you think you've got it, the, the next thing comes along and you've got to start over. But I think that there's some liberation in that if we just sort of accept that I can't know everything because it's always changing as opposed to the deception that we can know everything if we just work harder or try harder. And so I think for reframing that mindset to be one of 
yeah, it's just a fact that I will never know everything. And that is, it's the design of the system, right? In order for us to stay innovative, we're going to have to be constantly moving in a direction that's an unknown. And when we can just accept that, then it frees us to not be perfect, to not know. I completely agree. And I think that that makes a good leader too, right? A good leader in my eyes is someone who, you know, my, my, my last, uh, my last manager um, at NBCU was incredible. So great. And so caring. Did he know I was in research, which by the way, that's a whole other podcast because nobody knows what I did, but, um, but he, you know, so he, he didn't grow up in research. He, you know, he knew we did you know, television ratings and things like that. He understood what a rating was, but did he know how to create all the research? No, that's what he had me for. And, you know, so a good leader will, will know that will know who the good people are, who can, who can fill in the blanks. Um, and so, you know, they ask questions. So I know that if my leader asks questions, it's probably okay for me to ask questions. It's not probably okay. It is okay for me to ask questions as well. That's we a really too. And I think that's a great example because one of the big challenging areas that I see is when I start to manage somebody who has more expertise in a particular area than I do, mm-hmm. who am I to manage this person? Right. <laughs> yes. And that happens right with when you ascend and when you, yeah, you get put into these bigger roles in areas that you may not have had any exposure to before or minimal exposure to before. Oh my gosh, it can feel so vulnerable for the leader. And to be able to say, hey, I actually don't have a lot of experience here. I really want to learn it. It's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. I really want to learn it. Please show me and um, and let's be in this together. Um, and, you know, and I remember doing it with my last, my last role where I got uh, a, a vertical that I hadn't had much exposure to. I did say to the leader, I said, you know, bear with me. And, you know, if I ask something that feels dumb to you, please know it's not dumb to me and we will get there together. And fortunately she was very understanding and wonderful. Uh, but you know, those can, those can feel challenging too. To your point, it felt super vulnerable to come in and say, as someone that you report to, uh, for me to say to you, I need to learn from you is really tough, but at the end of the day, it does open those doors and, um, and it makes us better. It just makes us better as leaders to put that out there. It does. And I think too, I mean, there's definitely a a vulnerability that comes with that, but there's also some confidence that comes with it too, right? To be able to say, I own the fact that I don't have this area of expertise, yet I trust that I have enough experience to lead you and to say, here's what I need from you and here's what I can do in return, right? Absolutely. There's something that we all bring to the table and it doesn't have to be the exact, you know, pinpoint science of whatever that thing is, but we do bring our expertise. I love what you just said. I think it's super, it's, it's extremely important to be able to come into that knowing that I may not know everything, but I know that I'm in this role for a reason. Yes, exactly. Because then otherwise we're making up stories. We're telling us this person doesn't respect me. I have nothing to offer. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh God, those stories are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) So what else are you seeing out there? Anything else that you're noticing that you're spending a lot of time talking about? Yeah. What I'm spending a lot of the most, uh, the, 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 the things that come up a lot for, for my clients that I see are what, what we've talked about. It's, I'm not sure why I'm I'm in this role and you know what do they see in me and the the confidence issues there's also the and the, the time management issues are difficult as well. I will say the relationship building has is something that I think because we have so little time mm-hmm. because there's so much on our plates finding the time to take a step back and say you know what I I'm really interested in what this business unit is doing and I don't know a lot about it. Again speaking of that theme of asking questions I know my team could might be able to help them 
I need to know more. How do I build those relationships with those teams? How do I get to know them more? And especially, it can be also challenging when there's people that maybe feel more difficult to get to know, et cetera. But how do we have those feedback as well, I think can be is very challenging for a lot, similar to the delegation, right? How do I get feedback to this person? Um, they're not going to want to hear what I have to say. They're, they're going to, you know, if, especially if it's developmental feedback. So those are the things I work a lot with clients on. Um, how do we make those feel better? How do we make those feel easier? How can we maybe find time to ask someone to have coffee or maybe do a trade 101s on our business units and teach each other something that might be interesting? Um, how do I find how do I find the right way to give feedback to my new direct report who maybe has never experienced developmental feedback before? Uh, all those things that can feel so challenging yet have to be done. Again, all these things that make us better leaders, make us feel more confident and make our teams feel better about what they're doing. Uh, giving them goals, things to work towards and to know that you're there for them, to know that you're there to, to be cheering them on and to be helping them and that the feedback is for a reason. So those two areas, I think, are the biggest ones that um, that I see and that I that I find that my clients anyway, when they're able to tackle them, say, oh, that wasn't so bad. Uh, so it's but it's about figuring out how to do it. Yeah. And I always joke that the hardest part about work is other people, right? Because, <laughs> you know, getting the job done, assuming you have some training is the easy part. It's navigating all of the different personalities and different you know, insecurities that we all bring into the workplace. And so everything that you just touched on too is just an example of why it's so important for us to connect as humans, because even though we think we don't have time to reach out to somebody in a different department, or we don't have time to sit down with somebody from our own team, the time that we spend cleaning up the mess from not taking that time up front is so much longer and less efficient. And so I think it part of it is just an excuse. I think time is often an excuse. Like, oh, I don't have time for that, so I don't have to get out of my comfort zone. I don't have to do that scary thing that I've been putting off, right? But if I if I can look at this as an investment, and it, yeah. this time is an investment in these relationships, yeah. and I'm gonna once these relationships are in place, we are going to accelerate yeah. the business. Yes, Kim, and I think we spend so much time. Thinking about well, I, I see this anyway. I think that that many spend so much time thinking about how to manage up that we sometimes neglect the areas of managing out yes. and managing down. And so, and so that's to your point. Without those, it's all one piece of the puzzle. It all makes a makes a sphere. And when you're missing even one of those aspects of it, the teams are going to suffer. And and frankly, we're going to suffer because to your point, we're going to have more stress. It's just going to be more on our plates. Exactly. And I think, you know, we're creatures of habit. It's hard to change. We get scared or we don't know how, yeah. but, but I think just taking even small steps, like even if you just say, I'm just going to pick one person. Yeah, one person. <laughs> <Just> one. <laughs> Absolutely agree. I'm going to pick one person. I'm going to reach out to them today and I'm going to have a coffee with them in the next two weeks. It's so easy. And again, the worst thing that happens is, you know, the person can't do it. There's, there's no, there's really very little risk to finding that one person. I so agree. So agree. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And then once you get the positive reinforcement from that, then you're motivated to do the next one. The first one's always the hardest, the hardest, the hardest. I will tell you, I have um, a list of, of like contacts that I try to reach out to and, um, and I have them tiered and I tell, I give this to my clients too, when it feels with networking, right. I have the ones that are super easy, you know, no problem. I have no problem reaching out to this person. 
I have the twos that are like, okay, it's a little scarier, but the ones went great. They went great. So I'm going to pick one, two, one number two <laughs> to reach out to and see how that goes. And, you know, and, and it does make it feel, it, it, once you get that little bit of success, um, it makes it so much, so much easier. And there's so little less, okay, if they don't get back to me, they don't get back to me. Oh, well, you know, on to the next person. But it, to your point, just ripping off that bandaid for the first one. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah, but I love that tiering approach because I could see that applying to other things too. When we were talking earlier about speaking up in a meeting, right? Like maybe you don't practice at your board meeting or in the meeting with all the senior people, right? You practice on your team where you feel safer. And then the more success you have, the more comfortable you feel taking that baby step at the next level. I love that, Kim. Managing those table stakes is so. Cool. I love that idea. That's really powerful. That's really smart. <laughs> this is a, such a great conversation, Tracy. I would love to let people know where can they find you if they want to learn more yeah. about what you're doing. Absolutely, you can go to my website, and I know it'll be spelled out in the on the on the site, but it's it's my name, which is www.tracyprusianroy.com. Don't worry about spelling it. I won't spell it here because it'll take too long. Um, <laughs> and you can find me on LinkedIn. And um, if anyone you know wants to reach out, please feel free. I do workshops. I do uh, facilitations, and um, I do one-on-one uh, coaching, leadership coaching. So that's that's me. Please that's reach wonderful. out. Yeah. And uh, like you said, the links will be in the show notes as well for anybody who wants to access them. And thank you so much for what you're doing, Tracy. You bring a really important perspective, having walked in the shoes of a lot of the people that are experiencing these challenges today. And I just think it's always so helpful to hear, you know, what's the lived experience and what can we do about it? Thank you so much. I I couldn't be happier to be able to share this. I'm so happy to have this time with you. And uh, I agree with you. It's so important to be talking about it because when we keep it all in, we don't, we have no idea how to get out of it. So thank you for having this platform. This is fantastic. Thanks so much for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Files. If you would like to continue this conversation in a safe and trusted space, I would love for you to join my virtual discussion group every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. For the past several years, the group has been limited to women, but it is now open, regardless of gender, to anyone who is interested in exploring and troubleshooting common workplace challenges, building better awareness of ourselves and others, and becoming more inclusive allies at work. Check out the show notes for more info on how to find us, and please join us next week for another episode of The Imposter Syndrome Files.